0: Hey, it's good to be back. Sorry that it's been so long. Um I've been bogged down. Um bogged down, bogged up, bogged left and right. You if it's been bogged, I've been bogged too. Um so today we're talking about um sort of I suppose it's an umbrella term term. term. How do women contribute to sexism themselves? Cuz I think it's kind of um I was thinking about doing an episode on male guilt and then I thought, "No, i'm not about to bum lick you go, i'm joking i just i honestly i was more interested in this so we're talking about internalized misogyny today don't think don't be scared away if you're a man listening to this i know my demographic i know i've got 70 percent more men listening um than the 30 percent i've got of women which is kind of a shame i feel a little sexist anyway i just think men are suckers for a podcast i'm sorry that's the only sweeping generalization i'll make about men it's it's intrinsic you love a podcast and that's okay that's an addiction I'm willing to help um anyway so we're talking about internalized misogyny don't be scared away if you're a man this will be helpful for you too I can imagine not helpful interesting maybe helpful too if you're a misogynist but I can't imagine you are if you're here so hey welcome back guys oh I've been waiting to use that bassy funky interlude for a while now and here I am, I've got the chance to use it. So, we're going to start off by talking about, I think what would be a good idea would be to give you a little overview, a brief definition of what internalised misogyny actually is, to kickstart us uh, on this episode. So, internalised misogyny defined is uh, the learning of hatred of women uh, in women themselves, uh, through and expressing it through favouring men and mistrusting women. A lot of the time that's expressed by uh kind of random hatred of female celebrities one good example that i will talk about later is taylor swift um you know you hear a lot of people being like oh i just don't really like taytay you know she's not really my vibe like she's really annoying i find her kind of like like skinny and annoying it's like okay you know when you really listen to that and you question the reasoning behind it you will see my reason for thinking that is internalized misogyny um so favoring men obviously is expressed in the statement that i'm about to talk about Uh, For example, when you see pick-me girls, which is a concept uh, we will make a little circle and come back to, saying things like, I'm not like other girls. So this sentence, I'm not like the other girls, is not something I've luckily cropped up, I've seen in real life, I've not seen that, thank God. Maybe I'm just surrounding myself um, with the right women. Um... Which sounds a little sexist when I say it. Anyway, this is what's really matter about internalised misogyny, is I'm now monitoring what I say, thinking like, oh, shit, is that like... Is this because I hate women, or is it just because I don't like pick-me's? Anyway, uh, this sentence caters to the male gaze, uh, and the male gaze has two interesting definitions, uh, which I think are kind of misleading, because they're two quite different definitions. But the first definition that I will kind of be more uh, focused on today is uh the presentation of women in media or the the portrayal of women in media, so that includes fiction in uh, popular television in any kind of media, um, as what, you know, men have uh depicted them to be or idealised them to be. So Pamela Anderson, I think in Baywatch or whatever, um, I only know that because of Borat, um, obviously. Um and this depiction of them is not necessarily realistic, it's not, uh, it's almost offensive to say. It depicts them as a 2D object, is what we're saying. Not even object, I don't really, uh, I think that metaphor's a little overused, although makes sense and is truthful. I just think explaining that they are depicted as 2D makes more sense. Anyway, the second definition of the male gaze, which really isn't related to our topic today, but is, I guess it kind of is, it's, it's internalised in a very meta way. But the second definition is the internal monitoring of yourself as a woman, if you're listening to this and you're a woman, uh, the internal monitoring of yourself and that the habitual checking of your what you're doing to see if you look hot or not. Looking at yourself from a third point of view, um, which is making me laugh because of that meme, oh my god, that I posted on my stories as a self-track, that was like, man took too much cat, now he has to look at himself from a third point of view all day. Tough times, it made me laugh really hard. Anyway, that's quite an interesting uh, element of internal misogyny, internalized misogyny, sorry, because it's like we're looking at ourselves as women. You know, when you're like walking down the street and you're listening to music and you feel like you're in a music video, that's what I think it feels like to be a woman all the time. Um, When I'm brushing my teeth, I'm like, what if there were cameras on me right now? Um, Do I look hot? When I walk past someone, I sort of forget how to walk, and I think that's half an anxiety thing, half. Internalized uh, male gaze, um, which I think this was a term coined by a female director. Oh, I can't remember the name of now and I should have written it down. But now I'm in bed recording this, so I'm not getting up, not for the name of education, not for anybody. Um, but it's interesting. I wonder do you let me know? Do you guys do that? Do men do that? Do you monitor yourself? Because I would like to think a lot of people do tend to do that kind of fairly, you know, checking in on how you look. Which makes sense, I think, when you walk past someone and you, like, put a little bit of hair behind your ear or something, that yeah, I think that's quite rational. But when, for example, I have this thing where if I get out, when I get out of the shower I feel really embarrassed because I'm like, oh my god, I'm, like, naked, like, this is so embarrassing. Because I'm, like, pretending, like, someone's looking at me, like, what is wrong with me? But I know for a fact a lot of other people do it. So I feel like airing this with um, the hundreds of people that will not listen to this. Um, it's doing me good, you know, it's like rejection therapy. Moving on. So, coming back to what this podcast episode is actually about, having gone off on a two-minute tangent, um, this idea of I'm not like other girls uh, kind of comes from that trope of, oh, like, I'm a tomboy, you know, I ha- I'm i a to- Why don't I do that in the Housley Bush? I'm a tomboy, I'm so sorry. Uh, you know, like, I I like hanging out with boys. There's just less drama. Um, and then... Did you, did you guys just hear my dad sneeze? It's so- <laughs> the funniest thing. I'm not cutting that out. Anyway, um... Why did Dad sneeze so loud? I might do a whole episode on that. Um, But the trope of being a tomboy kind of comes from this uh, obsession with gender, I'd like to think. Or the idea that if a woman likes certain things, she's a boy. And I think that's kind of an early example. I was called a tomboy when I was younger. I used to be like, what the hell are they talking about? You know, I felt very fulfilled with my femininity. But at the same time, I was like, so... You know, you're telling me I kick a ball once and I'm a man, huh? You know, that's what I thought, age seven. I probably didn't, but anyway um so it's this trope and this obsession with gender and the reason that we say these things or think these things not explicitly in the phrase i'm not like other girls but obviously being like oh yeah i know that i'm guilty for a fact of being like no i prefer hanging out with the boys which is absolutely not true i just used to make myself do it because a i thought he looked cool and b i literally just didn't have any female friends at the time female friends i meant to say women friends i'm sorry for um being patronizing. get just them Um, but I think that was because I was annoying and not because men were just deeply attracted to me when I was 12 years old and obsessed with like, I don't know, movie star planner or something that was way too old for. Anyway, um, we associate femininity with weakness and that comes out in, you know, a lot of people's distaste for people like Harry Styles, for example, wearing dresses is this, um, kind of idea that change is bad, but that doesn't really make sense, but the idea that femininity is weak and incapable and we choose to distance ourselves from that as women and we are all guilty of it I think in one way or another Um, trying to distance ourselves from femininity as opposed to trying to reclaim femininity and I think a lot of people thought that's what I was doing um, with my whole changing of pronouns to they them or just kind of being a non-binary person Um, I don't know why I hesitated with person I'm not, I'm not confused about whether or not I'm a person, it's more, It's the gender thing that gets me. But I think at the same time, reclamation of gender is not something that has ever been successful for women, whereas the complete disabandoning of gender would be. But in this uh, unfortunately dystopian reality that we live in, I think the reclamation of gender is kind of all we've got uh, left. So if we stop associating femininity with weakness and capability, and incapability, sorry, then I think that we will be making progress. So as a quick debunk a debunk of the sentence, "I'm not like other girls," which is not gonna be the focus of the whole episode. I'm sorry for having said it about four times. um none of us aren't like the other girls. We are all like the other girls. We are the girls we are the we are them girls, we are them boys, we are them girls also um and what I think what is trying to be? articulated when we say, I'm not like the other girls, or something along those lines, you know, like I've talked about. Uh is we are trying to articulate that we are not like the projection of women in the media, the popular media, that is 2D and is a poor representation, a poor depiction of women in real life. We are not like Pamela Anderson in Baywatch. I love Pamela Anderson. I love her, but I don't like the people that made her play their character. Um, for example, I've never seen Baywatch. I don't know what I'm talking about, but you catch my drift, you know. This representation of women as catty in Mean Girls, for example. I have a big problem with Mean Girls, but at the same time, I think it's satirical. And it was written by Tina Fey, and I would trust her with my life. I would die for her, and I would live for her. Um, so basically what I'm getting at is the idea that the sentence, I'm not like the other girls, is not is a poor articulation of what we're actually trying to say, which is I'm not 2D. I'm the, I am the amalgamation of all women I've ever loved and all women I've ever feared. Someone probably said that it was probably Dame Judy Dench or something. I don't know. She's cool. She sounds like she'd say something like that. Um, but I think another three phrases that are worth mentioning, I've already mentioned one um, that we should probably cut out of our vocabulary um, and stomp on until they are a small brown stain um, is, firstly, I prefer to hang out with boys. No, you don't. Stop it. That gives me flashbacks to year nine and eight me. Um, the phrase, she's such a psycho, when you're, for example, talking to a, a male friend and they say, you know, my ex-girlfriend, she was just such a psycho. Like, she'd check my snap maps. She'd check my snap score. She'd messaged me twice um, in the, in a day super psycho and you're like oh oh my god she sounds like such a psycho I think I've done that before but I think no I can't justify that I will not justify that here's me challenging my own internalized misogyny um and also the phrase oh no that's not a phrase I just wrote at the end of that uh, at the end of she's such a psycho I just wrote shut the fuck up oh my god so that's not a phrase that we should cut out and I'm I need to stop writing things like that in my own notes so something i think that has also been equally damaged by uh internalized misogyny and just misogyny in general but more so internalized misogyny because it impacts women by women um is female bonds and women friendships friendships with women from women women loving women but not in a sexy way maybe in a sexy way but i'm talking more platonically um and I think it does come a little bit back to again that male gaze, the first definition the the um uh presentation of women in media as something that they are not, and therefore the expectation of women to act like that is the male gaze. I suppose I think that also the reason it's called the male gaze is because um if you imagine uh up until like Agnes Varda in the nineteen fifties he was like the first female director. Um, maybe it's the nineteen sixties. Actually, I, mean, I think it's nineteen fifty-seven. Was her first film? Um, all, for example, all films had been made by men up until that point, or had been directed, produced, written, you know, uh, allocated, funded by men. Uh, so everything that they were producing was, of course, going to be a reflection of their internal uh, desires. Which does, if you know much about English theory, counter Roland Barthes' uh, "Death of the Author," which says that. Um, the author has nothing to do with their text, you know it's, it's only subjective to the reader which I think is a load of honky tonk uh, and I, I made that pretty clear in my personal statement uh, but getting back on track uh, all men had produced these films, right and it, the, this depiction of women was of course what they expected of women but was of course not realistic for women, you know, otherwise women in media would have hairy legs and hairy pits and Weirdly shaped nipples and small boobs and big boobs and flab uh, and sweaty pits and upper moustache sweat and butt spots, back spots, face spot. I'm thinking of everything I can possibly think of that could just make you sick, sick, sick until you are used to it. Um, So men producing these things in the media obviously gave it the name male gaze because what they had been interpreting as what femininity should be what femininity was in the best of women like marilyn monroe you know it was a big bum lovely big boobs shapely legs um childbearing hips if you've ever read a book by a man um and that of course is not an accurate description of women So let's talk briefly about the Bechdel test. And I say briefly, knowing full well I will spend two to three minutes talking about it, because I found it very, very interesting and also quite funny. And the reason this links in is because of the male gaze, the concept of the male gaze and how women are presented in media, uh, has been countered by this Bechdel test, also known as the Bechdel-Wallace test. I assume those are the people that um, produced or mitigated the test. Um, And this test, defined, asks uh does a piece of work a fiction a film uh whatever a comic you know tintin whatever have two women two named women that is you know two uh, protagonists two speaking roles of women uh talking about something other than men or things involving men so marriage to their husbands you know things outside of the home essentially things outside of domesticity um And I went onto this website called thebechdeltest.com and you can go on there now, it's brilliant. It's very, it's a rusty website, I'll be honest. I'm sorry to criticise it. Maybe that's more misogyny coming out of me, my hatred of the layout of that website. Um, But here are some, here are three films that I found from a fairly extensive list, but of course not as extensive of the list as the list that was not passing the Beckdale test. Here are three films that did pass the Beckdale test. Sonic the Hedgehog, Trolls, and Midsummer. They passed the test, uh, which means that they had two speaking women in the film talking about something other than men. And here are some films that didn't pass the Bechdel test. Fast and Furious, The Irishman, Marriage Story, and Spider-Man do not pass the Bechdel test, which I think is absolutely hilarious. That Trolls, Trolls, from a feminist point of view, is superior... To the Irishman. Or to Spider-Man. I think that's amazing. Sonic the Hedgehog. My god, feminist king, if I've ever seen him. Um, You know, Gloria Steinem is shaking in her boots at the side of this blue, gorgeous feminist. uh, The Hedgehog. Anyway. um, A couple of things in the main media that I think do push uh, internalised misogyny. That, of course, I leeched off of as a child. Or a tween pretty tween I suppose um, were the songs and you're going to be upset when I say this guys you're going to be upset I know that you are Girlfriend by Avril Lavigne think about it do you know what I'm going to say was deeply misogynistic it was deeply misogynistic I don't like your girlfriend I'm going to steal him from you because your girlfriend is a loser Um, and it's not as bad as the second example that I'm going to give you you Belong With Me by Taylor Swift. If you remember the lyrics correctly, it was, she wears short skirts, I wear sneakers, she's cheer captain, and I'm on the bleachers. Now, Taylor Swift, I love, and we will come back to her um, in a minute, briefly, um, but Avril Lavigne gets that one mention for being a little bit of a misogynist, but I forgive her because of that one video, not only is she dead, I'm sorry, but Melissa has replaced her, um, but also that one video where she's like, I'm just a rocker chick, I like to rock you I think that's hilarious Um, but anyway these songs are misogynistic because they put that trope, I'll tell you why they're misogynistic they put the trope of women hating other women for things that are deemed stereotypically feminine and this comes back to the idea that femininity can be associated and is constantly connotated or connotative of weakness and incapability so maybe something worth mentioning or as a little halfway through prompt Little thing to get you thinking is that there is enough space for women to be nice to other women that we do not need to shoulder and barge and elbow each other out of the way for opportunity or for men because there is enough room. You're not taking up too much room as a woman. I think that's something we're always taught, even in our posture. You know, cross your legs, you know, put your hands on your lap, you're taking up too much room. you, You have broad shoulders, that's quite manly, you're taking up too much room. You're fat, you're taking up too much room. Do you see what I mean? It all comes down to this. There is enough room for you and there is enough room for the other 3.5 billion women on earth to have this any opportunity you want um, without shitting on another and without making catty remarks. Because by making every time I think something shitty about another woman, every time I see like a woman across the street and I'm like, dear God, like, why is she wearing those disgusting and ugly uh, shoes? And I think to myself, oh, my God. This is what society wants from me. This is what the patriarchy wants. The patriarchy wants me to hate other women. Because the unison of women threatens the patriarchy, which I think is our biggest weapon. Imagine if all women supported women. It's an unmatched... It is unmatched. Um, and I think you need to challenge... As a woman, we need to challenge our thoughts. The um, next time you go to bitch about something, it's about someone, a woman, uh, think to yourself, am I... Uh, treating the patriarchy to a little bit of bitchiness right now. Am I feeding the devil? Yes, you are. So stop. Stop it. Get some help. Challenge your thoughts. Give yourself a little bit of uh, cognitive behavioural therapy. Um, And I bet you thought that that was the end of the podcast. No. We're on page one, baby. We've got got work to do. So we're going to talk about... Don't be surprised. I'm coming back to Taylor Swift again. I think she's cropped up three times now. Maybe two. I don't know. Um... So here are some celebrities that we hate because of internalised misogyny. Um, There was one quite prominent figure that I think I did talk about in my, a couple of episodes ago about, uh, has sexism been eradicated? And obviously the answer was no. You know, if you watch that thinking, oh yeah, I wonder if sexism has been eradicated. No. Anyway, Millie Bobby Brown will kickstart us here. uh, Why do I dislike her so intensely? The answer is because she is pretty, she is younger than me, I think by one year, maybe about the same age, so that makes it even worse, very successful, and everyone loves her, and part of me just thinks, I hate that bitch. When in reality, no, I just hate the features of femininity that she portrays that I associate with weakness, and that also, if I'm associate, We'll, we'll come back to it, okay? Another person, Taylor Swift. People look at her, and I've, I think I was very guilty of this before I watched... Um, Oh God, her documentary, I think it was just Miss Miss America, Miss Americana, I don't know, it was really good, I really enjoyed it, I very much, very highly commend it, it was amazing, I watched it thinking like, oh, I don't, I'm not really that interested in Taylor Swift, you know, what does this have to offer me, and then I watched it and I was like, holy shit, I'm in love with this woman, um, Billie Eilish, another one, people just say, I just find her annoying, she has an annoying face, she tries to be a man, like, just, you know, you, you know, you wear such baggy clothes, like, ugh, and then when she gets her boobs out once, because she's an 18-year-old, and she could do what she wants. People are like, mm, slag, you know? Uh, you can't win with it, and we are absolutely all guilty of it. I'm still a little bit guilty of it. I still find her a little bit annoying, a little bit irking. I don't know if that's because I don't like her music. Some of them, absolute bangers. Some of them, I'm like, put, turn that off. Or it's just because, here it is. We associate femininity, we associate, sorry, we associate these artists, Millie Bobby Brown, not an artist, an actress, Taylor Swift and Billie Eilish, both musicians, with being very female oriented, you know, if you say, oh, I absolutely love Taylor Swift, you know, boys will be like, sorry guys, but they will be like, have you heard of Tame parlor? Have you heard of uh, fucking Death Grips? You know, because those are all, A, male oriented bands. I don't know one female musician uh, that is absolutely loved in the same way that men love, sorry, such a sweeping statement, some men love Death Grips, for example, or, you know, Tame parlor, something awful, hilarious like that. they don't Fleetwood Mac does not count because there were like two men in that band Stevie Nicks was a vehicle for those men and she carried them on her back and I love Stevie Nicks for that there is not one female artist tell me one female artist that's absolutely adored by men and deemed legitimately brilliant apart from Kate Bush she gets a pass but anyway we associate these women these artists these actresses with extreme femininity they're oriented towards women women have loved them in the past we've had our tween phases of loving miley cyrus taylor swift selena Gomez, and we now try and escape that love of them because it's the notion that we are 2d again the idea that these women are so associated with femininity that they are incapable they are illegitimate they just appease the women it's it's illegitimate because women like it It's it's the same thing that I'm going to talk about next, about being a housewife. We don't legitimise things that are associated with women because it's not men that like it and it's not legit. It's not for real. It's not of any quality. It's not of any value if women exclusively like it. So the choice to be a housewife also has been ruined by internalised misogyny. And this is... I'm sorry, this is such a negative. I really am trying to mitigate the negativity here by, you know, giving tips and tricks on how not to be an internalised misogynist. Um... But I, I would like to kickstart that, this little segment, by talking about a woman, the woman, actually, who got the uh, law against, well, criminalising upskirting, which, if you don't know, is when someone takes a picture up the skirt of someone uh, without their knowledge and now illegally. Uh, and she went to Parliament to get these law, laws passed um, and I really, as a future barrister, have, absolutely no idea how that happens um, embarrassingly Um, and so obviously she was going back and forth to Parliament and to the House of Commons I assume uh, for a few weeks getting this done Um, and she found that when she wore I suppose associated feminine clothing such as you know, nice, flowy colourful dresses for example, colour particularly was the one thing she focused on she was illegitimised or was treated differently than when she wore for example, suits Or grey, you know, suit jackets, suit trousers. She was treated differently. She was treated like a professional member of the environment. When she wore colours, of course, she was illegitimised and treated kind of more as a person of the public that didn't really fit in here, not really professional. And I would like to argue that the reason we, as a whole, for example, use uniforms that are pretty much colourless, you know, our blazers could never be bright pink, they could never be, you know, bright green, is because we associate colour with kind of recreation and women are so obsessed with fashion right like we love our colors that's satirical obviously but i mean i love my fashion i love my colors not because i'm a woman i just do um and we associate this color with femininity we associate it with women we associate uh, recreational wear you know with women with housewives here yeah, housewifery for example um and we associate that femininity with illegitimacy in the same way we associate Taylor Swift and Biddy Eilish with femininity and therefore invalidity. Um, so much we associate that, that we see male suits and male clothing and lack of colour as what is professional. Because the professional workplace has always, of course, catered to uh, men. And it's interesting, I think, this uh, the forcing of women, for example, to wear skirts. I don't know if you guys have seen the Fox... Um, Uh, film, the film about Fox, that I now cannot... I think it's Bombshells, really good film, uh, where Fox actually forced the women there to wear skirts. uh, And I would just argue that's another way of making women not fit in with men, or different, othered, the second sex, as, you know, Simone de Beauvoir would say. Some jobs that we do associate with femininity, and there'll be a theme here, are housewifery, being a housewife, you know, cooking, cleaning, child-rearing, being a nurse... Always associated with women less so now I think that's interesting you know when I say oh look there goes a scientist did you think about like Albert Einstein or did you think about a woman I cannot think of a single female scientist I'm really digging myself a hole right now I think it's just because I'm not very good at STEM um so child rearing nursing sex work are considered illegitimate jobs right why do you... I'll give you five seconds. Why do you guys think that these jobs, housework, cooking, cleaning, child room, nursing, sex work, are deemed not real work? I'll give you five seconds. Eh, it's because they are female-oriented jobs, or they're jobs considered womanly. Here are some jobs that we associate with if I said to you, and I know this works because I read a book by Dolly Alderton really, really good book, actually I think it might have been by Sarah Pascoe, but Dolly Alderton's book is very good as well Um, that, you know, wrote about it just wrote like one sentence it was like, the scientist held a flask and of course I pictured a man particularly, you know a white man in a white lab coat holding a flask of green liquid, and she literally described that word for word, and she's like why are you picturing a man? It's because we have constantly been shown this representation of scientists for example, you know doctors as well of course um as male typically male and white a lot of the time also um but here are some jobs that we consider legitimate or are you know a vital part of the economy whereas of course being a housewife and raising children and being a nurse is not um jobs in medicine jobs in stem science of any kind jobs in business and drug dealing are considered legitimate forms of work i have i know for a fact that they're considered legitimate forms of work um because i consider it a, oh, i don't know maybe it's just me considering drug dealing a legitimate form of work but it is it's considered more so a legitimate form of work than sex work they're not on a par i would argue i would say sex work is deemed worse and more derogatory because you know if you're shotting, it's not the same as prostituting you know you're not prostituting yourself uh, and that's where the respect is not uh, in sex work, and that is because those jobs are A, better paid, and B, and subsequently male associated jobs. The final point that I would like to make, final section I'd like to cover, is this overpowering sentence that I absolutely love, and it is You are not an equalist, you are a feminist. Because if you, I think a lot of the time, what off puts people about the word feminism is not only this association with, um, pink-haired, fat lesbians, which sounds derogatory when I say it, but it's literally, I'm not intending it to be at all. Um, it's associated with this third wave feminism. Maybe it's fourth wave, I think I'm wrong. I think for third wave was like 2000s. Fourth wave, I think, is now. Um, and man-hating, and matriarchy. Um, and, of course, it's not an accurate representation. I kind of condemn the women that uh, push that incredibly violent matriarchal ideology as feminism. I don't care if you push it as matriarchal but if you're pushing it as feminism that's not quite right. It's not not the definition of feminism. Because feminism defined, I'll give you the definition of of feminism, is the intersectional advocacy of women's rights on the grounds of equal sexes. Because when I was writing this I was thinking, no, feminism means like equality for everyone but I'm wrong feminism is exclusive to women being equal to men however I would like to change your thinking about how you see feminism in the scheme of things because if you support gays, women's and people of colour's rights you are an egalitarian a branch of egalitarianism is feminism because to to support gay rights you're a gay advocate to support women's rights you are a feminist, to support people of colour's rights, you are exactly that, an advocate for minorities, racially. Um, feminism just has a special word for it, because it's so long-running. And I, I'm pretty sure there are words for... Yeah, that are better articulated than a gay advocate, for example. Um, so because of the femme, obviously, the suffix to eminism, or ism, inism, I suppose, I can't if I cocked that up so badly is femme and we associate that obviously with women quite rightly you know female we see femme we think women fair enough however if you think of it as this matriarchal thing you're wrong because feminism is a branch of this egalitarianism that i'm talking about um an egalitarianism to find or to be an egalitarian you have to believe in the principle of equal opportunity for everyone now that does sound quite a lot like feminism because when you narrow it down you're saying you want equal opportunity for women compared to, to men and when you narrow down egalitarianism you can't really narrow it down because it's this broad statement that covers gay advocacy uh minority advocacy and women advocacy um it's just a branch of egalitarianism so to say you're an you're an equalist which isn't even a fucking word equalist is not the, not a word egalitarianism is the word you're looking for you you are a feminist if you believe in all the branches of egalitarianism, which you should, then you are a feminist, you're a gay advocate, you're a racial minority advocate. If you only believe in gay rights, for example, or you're an equalist, which, again, not a word, but in his words, in another person's words, if you're an equalist but not a feminist, you're not an egalitarian. You're not an equalist. You're just an asshole. So thank you so much for joining me on that quite aggressive journey that we've been on. Um, I've really enjoyed this episode to be honest I forget how much I like it and then I think about it and I'm like, I've gotta do a podcast episode I forgot about it, I forgot about it for three weeks I think it's been quite a while actually, it really has been about a month um but I would like to finish with uh, four ways that you yourself can stop being an internalised misogynist um, or just a misogynist, if you're a man listening to this and you've made it this far, thank you I do commend you for your interest um in feminism. Um, so number one, love your friends that are women. Love them. Cut them a break. Cut them a break sometimes, okay? Number two, question why you hate that one female celebrity. Why do you hate Billie Eilish so much? Get Write down three points and post them to me. Post them to the White House. I will be there waiting for them. Number three, don't be catty. Whenever you have a thought, like I say, whenever you have a thought and you're like, ew, why is she wearing that frozen backpack? Think to yourself, what the hell am I talking about? Who am I to question her phrase in backpack? Because you're better than those those bitchy thoughts, you know? Is what the patriarchy wants you to do. Just think about that. Number four, be nice to women on the street. My dad actually told me once. Or my mum told my dad and my mum. Sorry, my dad told my mum and my mum told me. The men have... I don't know if this... This makes me sound like so out of touch with men, like the kids, you know? I think a lot of the time men do tend to kind of nod at each other, you know, like the white person smile, the little, you know exactly what I'm doing with my mouth right now, the, the like tight lip, like, you know what I mean? That or, and a little nod. A lot of the time that is what men tend to do, and I don't, I'm not making this because I absolutely would not know, but from what I've heard through the grapevine, this is there is an element of solidarity with men, you know. I just don't that does not exist with women, you know. I do see it quite a lot when men have that kind of little little moment, the little little smile and nod. It's solidarity, and women absolutely do not have that. And whether or not that's true um, is kind of irrelevant because that physical display of solidarity is trumped by that uh, constant defence of men who are accused of sexual assault, your constant defence of your friends who are accused of catcalling, you know, I don't know, whatever. Don't defend them. Fuck them, for real. But anyway, be nice to women on the street. Smile at women on the street is what I say. I try and do it all the time whenever I see a woman... My mum is religious about it. Whenever she's in the car, whenever we're in the car together, she always lets the person go if they're a woman because she's like, she's probably having a hard day because of the patriarchy. And I think, yep. Yeah, that makes sense. So please, be nice. Let's all hold hands. Um, and eat rainbow cake. Thanks for listening, guys. See you next time. <laughs> It don't You know, my, you know